Hello and welcome to The Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, I'm joined by Dairy Beef 500 farmer Richard Long from County Washford and his advisor Sean Cummins to get an insight into how Richard has reduced age at slaughter on his farm, its impact on profitability and the upcoming Bopin Day being held on his farm. Richard and Sean, you're very welcome. Richard, can you give an insight into your beef system? I'm farming in Knockaw and Ballamacarbury, County Washford. Uh, I'm buying between kind of 100 and 120 calves every year off my brother. There, There's no freezing calves bought. They're all either Angus, Hereford, um, Belgian Blue, Charlie, and we have a few Albrechts thrown in as well. Um, brought through to beef, Killed at between kind of 22 and 24 months, roughly. And um, that's pretty much it. We were a suckler farm and changed from that in 2016. And what differences have you seen since moving from the suckler system to the dairy calf to beef system in relation to labour? With the sucklers, you're sort of, you're never really finished at calving time. Whereas with the calf to beef, you feed them in the morning. If there's no issues, you come back, feed them again in the evening. Kind of takes an hour, maybe an hour, a little, little longer than an hour in the morning, same in the evening. It kind of frees up your day, more or less, so to speak. I suppose the level of integration between dairy and beef farmers is something key for this system, and particularly with the improved genetic gain on calves going on to beef farms. But you're in a unique position, Richard, when you're getting the calves from the dairy farm of your brother. Yes, yeah, that's a fair help, I suppose. Both my two brothers, Mike and Liam, are farming in Airfinan, which is 13 miles away from where I'm farming. And in 2015, when the quotas got abolished, the lads went up in cow numbers. So I suppose I have a readily available source of calves. And I know they're being well looked after and things like that before they come to me. So I suppose, to be fair, they're getting probably the best start you could give them if that. And you see any sort of a help, so to speak, like so. As I say, it seems to seems to be a system that's working well for me and working well for the lads, so that I know where they're coming from and a little bit about them, so to speak. I suppose the use of the higher beef genetic sires that they're identifying from the dairy beef index and more recently the commercial beef value, they are gradually bringing superior genetics into your farm. What difference are you seeing on these calves that you're buying now compared to when you started back in 2016? Back in 2015, 2016, the lads were only growing their herd. So I was dealing with a lot of, we'll say they, at that stage, they were calving down maybe 70, 80 heifers. So I was getting all mainly heifer calves, which you couldn't use bigger bulls on them as regards Belgian Blue or Charlie or something like that. So you were dealing with a smaller calf to start with, so you were finishing up with a smaller finished animal. Whereas now that they're coming from a more mature herd, they can use bigger, more continental type animals on them. And I won't say more difficult calving, but a bigger, you're, you end up with a bigger calf to start with. So in theory, you should finish up with a bigger animal at the finish. And what is your brother's experience of calving these types of bulls on the dairy herd in comparison to previous bulls? The lads would say that still the hardest calves to get out are the Herefords. They just have a bigger head. Once you get out their head, they'll slip out. 
Belgian Blues and the Charlies, no major issues. The Angus is in for, by their nature, they pretty much slip out anyway, but they, they really don't have any issues whether they're continental or not. Like I said, the Hereford is the one that could still catch them out a little bit like that's great, Richard. And I suppose, Sean, age at slaughter is something that farmers are hearing a lot about. And as Richard's advisor, what steps and plan was put in place and developed to reduce the age at slaughter on Richard's farm? Yeah, Catherine. So when we first started working with Richie three years ago, um, we looked at the way animals were performing and we seen that uh, carcass weights, particularly the age of slaughter, was a little bit on the high side for age and a little bit low on the weight. So we looked at the animals on the farm and what could we actually do to improve it. So the first step was look at the genetics and the animals going in. Richard just touched on that. But then we looked at the day-to-day management of the animals. So if we look at the calf rearing stage, we wanted those calves to, to be achieving the 0.7 a day. We wanted those calves to do that the whole way through the first year. And uh, then the winter management of those animals trying to achieve the 0.6. So if they went in for 100 days winter, we wanted them at least 60 kilos come back out for grass the following year. And then I suppose if you look back on Richard's performance, the second grazing season tended not to be the problem. Even to this day, it's it's sort of a, a strange farm in terms of animal performance. The first half of the year, you're generally looking at 0.9 of a kilo. But in the second half of the year, animals just tend to perform that much better. So they're going from about 1.2, 1.3 kilos a day. And that's without the meal factor coming into the animals finished off grass earlier. So when we looked at the the animals going into the first year, going into shedding the first year, we seen that we were animals were actually light. So what we started to do then was starting to put in meal into start or for the for the first summer and then feed it through to September into housing. And then we looked at improving this quality silage. So that meant that Richard was able to get away with feeding roughly a kilo, a kilo and a half of meal to the winnings over the winter to achieve his live weight gains. And Richard, I suppose these changes that Sean outlined, how did you find implementing these improvements and making these achievements on the farm? It seemed to work well, Catherine, to be quite honest. I suppose the downside is you're constantly feeding meals. If you have a bit of an issue with going out with buckets of nuts every day, it's a bit of an issue. But like I said, the, the performance and the results well outweighed any of the extra work involved in it, so to speak. And like, I mean, before. Sean's intervention, we'll say everything was killed out of the shed in the second winter and it was well after Christmas. Whereas now, even at the minute, there's 40 between those 28 heifers and 12 bullocks picked out and being fed outside. And if all goes according to plan, they'll never see the inside of the shed this year. So like that's that's a saving in labour, a saving in silage and hopefully a saving in meal. And since you've started out, how much have you reduced the age at slaughter for the steers and heifers? I suppose the steers have been dropped back at least two months and the heifers have come back three months. And I suppose for listeners, how would they mirror this improvement or what advice have you for them? Like, are you seeing a difference in carcass weight and confirmation by reducing the age at slaughter? Yes, I suppose that's down to, like Sean said there, we're making better quality silage. Meal throughout the summer as calves is certainly helping that you're putting into the putting into for the first winter a better, more forward weaning, so to speak, and you're just capitalizing on that then through the next summer and things like that. So I suppose it wasn't really reinventing the wheels, it was only tweaking what we were already doing. That's great, Richard. And I suppose Sean, 
you mentioned the genetics that Richard is using, but over the last three or four years, what change in the commercial beef value have you seen in Richard's calves when you do the analysis and how did that correspond with the carcass weight and confirmation? Yeah, so if we look at catching, if we look at the 2019 born animals versus the 2016 born animals, we've generally seen on the CBV that we're moving really from a two-star animal up to a four-star animal. So that means we, we had an animal at the start that was in the bottom 40% for beef production trades, up to an animal that's in the top 40% now. When we look at how these animals performed at slaughter, um, we've seen that we're looking about, even before slaughter, we've seen that the higher start animals or the higher rated animals on the CBV were actually heavier coming into the shed at the start of the finishing period. And then that translated the whole way through that we're looking at about 29, 30 kilo differences in carcass weights. We also seen that the higher start animals or the, the higher start animals on the farm were producing uh, a carcass that was about a grade or a grade and a half better. So we're basically moving from an O minus to a to an O plus carcass in a lot of instances. So that did help in terms of 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 actually improving the, the performance of slaughter of the animals. And I suppose farmers that are listening, they're really focusing on the margin and profits. What difference has reducing the age of slaughter made to the bottom line? Yeah, so if we look at Richard's farm catch and we looked at the, the animals that were slaughtered in 2016 and 2019 and we compared the steers and heifers. So when we started out first, our steers were 287 kilo carcasses. We got them up to 316 kilos. Um, we also looked at then like the, the, the beef price in 2018 versus the beef price in 2021 was very, very different. So we said if we brought these animals back to the base, the base beef price as it, is, as it stands, which is Four four eighty cent a kilo. What impact did that have? So in in the performance of slaughter, um, when all breed bonuses, QPS bonuses, and uh, the the grading is considered, we see that the twenty nineteen barn animals, if they were slaughtered today versus twenty sixteen barn animals, were worth about two hundred euro more. Um, we did see that there was an increase in the amount of concentrate going into these calves in the first year, but. That, that was about 150 kilos, but the finishing concentrate actually came back by about 408 kilos per head. Um, we did see that silage did actually increase in the animals that Richard was feeding, particularly the steers. But where that's coming from is we have a swing of about 70, 80 kilos in terms of the animal going into the shed. So a bigger animal is going to eat more silage. And we've seen that Richard actually reduced the quantity of concentrates he was feeding from about six to four kilos ahead of day. So we had to make up that two kilos of silage. So we've seen an extra 20 euro roughly in silage during the finishing period. When we factor all this in together, catching, we're seeing a difference at the same beef price of about 271 euro head um, between our 2016 and our 2019 barn animals. At the same time, that's a reduction in the edge of slaughter of three months. We have a heavier carcass of about 29 kilos and we have carcass grade in this after improving by about one and one and a half a score on the grid or on the grid. Serious differences there, Sean, from the number of calves compared to 2016 compared to 2019. And I suppose from an advisor point of view, you're seeing the farmer in Richard's case, he's been purchasing the calves from his brothers, Mike and Liam. How can this integration between farmers happen based on what you've seen and the impact that you've mentioned and what would you expect it to have? Yeah, I suppose catching is probably something that really, really needs to be looked at going forward. Um what it's really doing is creating a win-win for a dairy farmer and a beef farmer in that the dairy farmer knows that they have a market for their calves every spring. And the beef farmer knows that he is going to get an animal 
that if he puts the time and effort in which Richard has done and puts the right level of management in in terms of nutrition and health and grassland management, that animal is going to be capable of leaving the margin. Going forward, if we look at the situation nationally, if we could, if we could um, improve the genetics going forward, it's going to be a big help in terms of meeting our climate action targets. Um, so we know that agriculture is required to drop our, our slaughter age. Um, and if we can improve the genetics coming from the dairy herd in terms of beef sires, we're going to make it easier for the beef farmer to make a margin going forward. And it's going to actually create it's going to actually create a return market for calves on dairy farms where dairy farmers know when they're putting in the straw in the cow or pulling the cow in the spring that they have a market for that calf the following spring. And Richard, I suppose over your time in the Green Acres programme and now in the Dairy B500 programme, what changes have you made or have you seen in the calves, weanlands and in the finishing animals to improve their performance? I suppose, like I said there earlier on, Catherine, the biggest one I see is the fact that they're coming from a more mature cow, so you're you're not really tied in. The cow isn't determining completely what their what bull or what straw is being used on them. I mean, if all the genetics and all of that is anything to go by, back to the old phrase of an ounce of breeding is better than a ton of feeding, so to speak. Like you can put what you like into a badly bred animal, they're not just not going to perform, so to speak. So like it seems to be working well for me at the moment. I mean the the whole the whole down back the whole lot of it is it all boils down to how much you can make at the very finish. And like I mean, when you're waiting for nearly two years on your initial investment, well you want it to be worthwhile. You've a lot of effort put in like. Most definitely, and I suppose in relation to the grazing infrastructure on their farm, I can't let you go without a comment on the paddock system that you've put in. Can you explain to listeners the extensive paddock system that you've installed and roadways on the farm? Well, I suppose that was done more out of necessity and things like that, Catherine. I'm working off farm, so everything has to be done fairly quickly and fairly efficiently and fairly easy, so to speak. So, like, just put in roadways pretty much on all the blocks of ground I have, put in a paddock system, put in a water system, makes moving cattle from one square to the next easier, means you can do it yourself early in the morning, late in the evening. There's no major issue. And I suppose the fact that I was able to do it all myself meant that it wasn't a major cost. And what size paddocks are you operating at the moment? Sean would say they're a bit big. I would say they're not too bad. They're someplace in the region of between kind of three to five acres. And finally, Richard, you're hosting the Dairy B500 National Open Day on the 8th of September. What will farmers expect to see on the day? Well, I suppose they'll see it for what it is as regards. We'll be showing the calves, the 2022 20, born calves, the cattle that are being finished at the moment. That will be hopefully the first of them will go to the factory early October. We'll also be showing them the ones that didn't make the grade as regards because they're just a more continental type animal and they'll need a bit more time, so to speak, so they can see it all and form their own opinion. Or if they have any questions, they can feel free to ask. They'll be answered as honestly as possible. And Sean, from your experience working with Richard, why should farmers come to visit the farm on the 8th of September? 
Yeah, I suppose Catherine, why it's important that farmers come and see see what's happening on the ground on Richards is that it's it's actually putting into practice what people are talking about in terms of reducing the age of slaughter. I suppose it's often overcomplicated, but it's just about managing the small tweaks or introducing small tweaks to the farm to the system that's already in place and it can be achieved. I suppose we'll be looking at the genetics that are in play at the herd and how they are impacting on performance. Um, we'll also be looking at the grazing infrastructure and we're looking at health. Um, Dr. Seamus Carney from the St. Post Farm Programme will also be available on the day and he'll be discussing how the steps Richard has taken has changed the emissions profile on farm. And he'll also be discussing how or what, what steps farmers can take to, to try and reach our 25% emissions target by 2030. That's great. Thanks very much, Richard and Sean. And we look forward to visiting the farm on the 8th September. Thanks, Catherine. Thanks, Catherine. That's all for this week's episode. And my thanks to Richard and Sean for joining me on the show. We are currently running a survey to find out how the Beef Edge podcast is of use to you. And if you could click on the link in the episode notes to complete the survey, it will help us improve the show. In the meantime, you can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie. Or you can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.